Well, good morning. This is Mark Madison. Welcome to Contractor Coffee Club presented by EGIA. This podcast is hosted on EGIA.org slash podcast, where you can also find links to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, along with an archive of all previous episodes, a submission form for our listener Q&A, and the link to take the latest EGIA snapshot survey. In today's episode, we have the absolute privilege of interviewing an industry icon, Drew Cameron. Drew, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Mark. Uh, I'm fantastic. Thank you, and thank you for having me. And uh, you know, thank you uh, to all our listeners for tuning in. Well, whew. so you're in the Philly area, so I have to ask: Genos or Pats? If I had to pick one of those, I would probably say Genos. Okay, and why? And of course, we're talking about Philly cheesesteaks. For those that don't know. Yeah, Pats is the original. Uh, I just like a little bit more grease on my cheese stick, and Gino's brings it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had I, I went to Gino's at four thirty in the morning on my way to the airport, and it was amazing. It, it was it was better than advertised. So, yeah, and it even probably lines out there at that time of the night, right? No, they were pressure washing the street. I had to dodge the the spray. So, but it was good. It was worth it. Good. So, good how, how did you get started in HVAC? Uh, by birthright, I think, Mark. Uh, you know, I grew up in a family business from the age of 12. I, I'd come home from swim team practice, and my dad would put me on a truck, and I'd, I'd go out and I'd be a pair of hands as a gopher uh, on jobs after swim team practice, and, uh, you know, from the age of 12, and then migrated my way through the, you know, through the business growing up, you know, through college and whatnot, got my, got my degree, but came back to the family business, and and ultimately worked in that right up until we sold it to a local utility in 1996. So I've worked in every aspect of a uh, residential contracting business. We did some new construction and commercial in there as well, and uh, but I kind of cut my teeth in, in every facet of the business. So you're an SOB then, son of the boss. You got it, brother. And there's a lot of SOBs in this industry, isn't there? I mean, in a good yeah. way. In a good way, yes, exactly. You know, as well as, uh, you know, we have a uh, some you know sisters as well out there, right? So I have, right. I have two brothers, two brothers and a sister in the business too, and a mom. You know, so we really truly the uh, the epitome of a family business. But we grew up, we grew to be a uh, about 110 employees at one point in time. So you probably heard this a lot then. Never go against the family. Uh. <laughs> Something along those lines, Jeff. Yeah, right. I got you. Yeah. So for you, from your perspective, what's the biggest challenge? in running a family business? Um, well, you know, probably the family, right? It's, you know, it's either, it's either a good thing or a bad thing. And I think in different companies, I've seen it you know, go both ways. Uh, sometimes the family is the asset and sometimes the family is the liability. And in, in my case, I, I think the, the family was definitely the asset. We all, we had a good work ethic that we all learned growing up that, you know, you, you just could just just because you have a name doesn't mean you have a job, and you know you've got to work you know twice as hard, show up, be one of the first in and the last to leave, and and, and you know the last uh, line in your job description definitely as a family member, but I think in all employees, you know, job descriptions is whatever it takes. But you know, as a family member, that's you know that's definitely it's whatever it takes, no excuses, and and you got to do whatever is necessary. So. We had some family dynamics, you know, I, I obviously had a, a strong-willed father and, and he posed some challenges and he was kind of you know, stubborn, but uh, God bless him. He gave me the, the gift of a great education and uh, uh, my, sale, my, my salesman, my top salesman was my older brother, but I had to, I had to de-hire him twice and ultimately brought him back to, and the third time uh, was a charm and, and it worked out for the best. And my younger brother, uh, 
that ran our warehouse and, and did a phenomenal job keeping everybody in mind, uh, the installers and whatnot. So the family dynamic, like I said, it has had its pluses and minuses. And if you can figure that out, and that, that should be the easiest thing, I think. If you can figure that out, you're a force to be reckoned with. And, and right. the camera name to this day, the camera name in this market, you know, still carries a lot of weight. People, even though, like I said, we sold the business in 1996, to this day, we, we still get a lot of people saying what a great company it was. They wish we were still around. And a variation of our company is still around. I think it's been its third iteration right now. It just got, in fact, it just got bought uh, a few weeks ago. That's a good feeling, though, to have that kind of repute. Yeah, and it came full circle because the uh, the organization that my older brother now works for is the company that bought it. So <laughs> it, what goes around comes around. I remember reading a book called "You Can't Fire Me, I'm Your Father." <laughs> and it was, no, true, true story. And so it was about you know the the challenging dynamics, of, and the author said, you know, we put the fun in dysfunction. You know, it was a humorous read, but uh, yeah, it definitely brings some challenges. Sounds like you navigated through those. So I think we tell, did. Tell us about what you do now. You're a consultant, right? Probably for lack of a better word, you know, yeah, we'll say that. That's the word that most people know. But, I, you know, we like to look at ourselves as resultants. Uh, I never wanted to be a consultant uh, when I took on this role back in 1999. Because a consultant to me was the guy that my dad hired who came in and took a check, whether he, made an imp- he or she made an impact in our business or not, and kept taking a check as long as my dad was willing to cut it. And so when I kind of took on that role back in 1999, um, I said to myself, you know what, I, I don't want to be that, that chiropractor, if you will, of con- consultants where you got to show up to me you know, like every two weeks for an adjustment for the rest of your life. You know, I want right. to be a specialist. I want to come in and, and have a certain objective and get a certain result and be done. I want to work myself out of a job. And that's what I think a good consultant does is work themselves out of a job or into the next you know, area in which they can help a company. And that's what we've been very successful at doing. Uh, we go into a business, we do a complete assessment of it, and we really kind of look at it from a sales and marketing perspective uh, you know, to grow that. But myself and my business partner will go in, we'll take a look at the business, we'll figure out structurally, financially, operationally, you know, marketing-wise, what needs to be done, put together a plan, and then enact that, subscript, uh, that prescription, if you will. And get and get a result, and the result is usually an increase in sales as well as profits. Right. So results are the name of the game. There you go. So, uh, as as a quote consultant end quote, uh, how how can contractors differentiate what they offer? IAQ, home performance. What advice do you offer? Well, that, and that's a great that's a great question, Mark. I mean, you know, differentiate is a word to get thrown around a lot. And I think as contractors, everybody looks to say, you know, well, what's my competition doing, and what should I be doing somewhat different than them? But but what they ultimately end up doing is they they're still they're still looking at a reflection of themselves to some extent. And I think right. you're going to have to decide you want to be something different, you know. And I think to be different, better, and more, you've got to become something different, better, and more. And so if you're just looking to be a better HVAC contractor and tweak that a little bit, you're still too close to the original. You know, you're, you're still, you're basically an enhanced copy, if you will. So I think you need to, to morph into something, you know, different and more. And so I throw out, I'll I throw out, like I say, indoor air quality or smart home or system and home performance, you know, where indoor air quality is where you're, you're not, you're not just doing duct cleaning. We're, we're talking about, you know, create, putting devices into homes to kind of create a a healthy sanctuary for the home. And we're talking about not only cleaning up the ductwork, but we're talking about possibly replacing and sealing the ductwork and sanitizing you know, that, that, that duct system from an indoor air quality standpoint, but also locking down the house, you know, because 
you know, your house breathes. And so whatever is in the outside air is going to be on the inside there. And if you can air seal the house, you're improving the indoor air quality there too. And then, you know, smart home, you know, I did a, a couple presentations for EGIA uh, a couple of years ago. There's actually 13 presentations for EGIA a couple of years ago on the whole smart home platform. And the number one thing homeowners want when they think about having smart home access is a thermostat. They want that thermostat that they can control from their phone. And so our homeowners, our customers are clamoring for us to be in the smart home arena. And unfortunately, we're leaving it up to AT&T and Verizon and the cable companies and the big box retailers that kind of you know steal that from us. And lastly, most importantly, I mean, if we are HVAC contractors, we should be making sure that the equipment does what it's supposed to do. Right. And that means fixed and duct systems, combustion efficiency, and, you know, insulating and air sealing houses, uh, you know, to the point where we reduce the load before we produce, you know, the heating and cooling capacity. Right. Seth Godin wrote a book called Purple Cow a few years ago, and he basically said, if you were driving through, you know, the countryside and all of a sudden you saw a purple cow, that would be something that would get your yeah. attention. Yeah. And so what I'm hearing you say is, you know, create your purple cow. Be different. And, and what you're seeing, you know, even seeing more of nowadays is you're seeing, you're seeing the advent of the home services contractor. It used to be you had a plumber, you had an electrician, you had an HVAC company. Now you're seeing home services companies where they're bringing in those multiple disciplines. But I would say to the HVAC contractor out there, you know, why not stick to what it is that you know first before you go into plumbing? I mean, you know, so indoor air quality is tangential to what we do. System and home performance is actually part of what we, we do, and we leave out a part of it, unfortunately. And then smart home is an extension of what it is that we do. Yes, we do get into electrical work, but, you know, to really get into full-blown electrical and generators, that's a different animal. To you know, right. dive into plumbing and, and plumbing fixtures, that's a different animal. So, so yeah, I, I like the idea of a purple cow, right? Because, you know, since it's a cow with all the other cows, but it's purple. And it really stands out. It doesn't fit in. Right. So what can contractors do to differentiate themselves? How, how do they stand out as a purple cow? Well, you know, I think that's – if you want to go after the same – you know, pool of fish out there, you know, that you're going to go with the same rod, reel, bait, floors, every other – every other contractor out there, then you're going to look and feel exactly the same. It's going to be hard for a customer to distinguish or differentiate between one company or another. And I think the, the companies that kind of only try and differentiate by what they do or how they do it, like we talked about a minute ago, think, think about it from this perspective, Mark, is that if I see as a, if I'm your competitor and I see what it is that you're doing, I can go out and sell, you know, get the same products that you guys offer. I, I can go ahead and market myself the same exact way. I can go ahead and start doing the same type of scope of work that you can. Anything that's visible to the outside is something that your competition could ultimately copy and match you on. So, so what I like to do is I like to work with companies from an internal standpoint and say, okay, let's differentiate ourselves internally. You know, we're you know, behind the curtain, if you will. And by that is, you know, it's your processes, it's your procedures, it's your people, it's what you believe in, what you stand for. And, and how you go about that. You know, you, you can either differentiate on product and price or you can differentiate on your beliefs and your purpose and your commitment to the community and the causes that you get involved in. And when you go ahead and start chasing purposes and beliefs and you have your whole team buying into that, you know, it's like Simon Sinek says in his book, Start With Why, people want to do business with people who believe what they believe. Right. So yes, they, they 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 probably need what it is that we have to offer. But it's it's interesting. 
with the clients that we've worked with over the last about 15 years or so, when we get them buying into a whole mindset of purpose and belief, we get customers saying, I want to do business with you because I, I like what you stand for. I like what you mean. I mean, I, I like what you, what you believe, I just mean. And yeah, well, there's a, a, lot of, there's a, a law of attraction, isn't it? Yeah, Birds exactly. Birds together flock together, yeah. Yeah, we ran a marketing piece a couple of years ago, for example, where we were uh, a marketing campaign, I should say, where we were doing what we called it a warmer, a warmer winter campaign, and we were giving away repairs and equipment to you know, to people that were in need. And the way we did it is the service technicians could decide on the service calls, but on the systems, we ran this. I don't want to say contest, but we ran a campaign in which the local news station partnered with us, and they solicited all the entries. They weeded it out, and then they picked the winners. So that way, we were we were not involved in the process, but we were the one behind the program. And, you know, that got out on the news over and over and over again because they gave us a lot of free publicity on that. We literally got people who called us and wanted to see what they could do to kind of help out, number one. And other people who said, you know, I called you because I need a new system. And you're the kind of company I want to do business with because you guys are running that campaign and helping other people out. Because you care. Because we care. And then because it's the right thing to do and we can do it. Right. Yeah. yeah, and, and you're seeing that more and more nowadays, I think, than ever before. People want to get behind causes. And, and so I don't want to go out there and say, hey, look at me, look at me, look what I'm doing type thing. I, I, I think you, know, you, you go out and you do the good works. You acknowledge that you're affiliated with certain things and that you're involved in the community. And, and you know, let that, let that speak for itself. Trust me, the word gets around. I heard three things that stood out. I heard people, process, and purpose. Yeah. So we'll call that P3, right? There you go. Cool. So I know you also teach sales training. So how how do you go about teaching contractors to have a higher close ratio? Well, you know, there's lots of ways to do that. And certainly uh, process is one of them. Psychology, the process is the biggest thing that uh, my business partner and I really focus on, especially through the, you know, the sales training that we do with EGIA and, and, and our clients. And, and the coaching that we do both on-site and on the phone. Because any process, you know, is better than no process. If that's all you have is a process and you don't have the psychology behind the process and you don't know why you're doing what you need to do, you won't do it, you know, consistently. I spoke on this for EJA last year, I believe it was, uh, at Contractor Leadership Live. And payment options are where I see most contractors miss a huge opportunity. And I hear over and over again, you know, all, all, all my customers pay cash. Oh, they only like that, that financing with that 0% interest. And I say, yeah, well, all your customers pay cash. There's a lot of people out there that would be your customer if you were adept at offering payment options in a manner that would be consistent in which they would kind of choose to go that route. They say, well, right. yeah, but they, they only want that 0% stuff. You know, 12 months, 36 months, 60 months, you got I think 72 months now, 0%. Again, that's just because that's what you believe. But what you'll find out if you go and do any kind of market research in and outside of our industry is that today's consumer, by and large, is a payment customer. They don't mind payments, and if the payments make sense, um, right. you know, all the, you know, all the more reason to go ahead and do it. And even when there's a small fee for borrowing the money, some people like to call that interest. I like to call it the fee for borrowing the money, because what you save in energy and repair costs can greatly offset that or pay or certainly pay for, uh, you know, the monthly investment. I mean, at the very least, we, we cover the interest, so it's free money. So if I'm getting a, a loan for 6.99% you know, for 10 years, 
what you save in energy repair costs offsets that. So that's a, that's free money because we're we're taking the money out of the utility company and putting it work to you know for you the homeowner. So how we go about doing that is during the course of the you know the conversation. The first time most salespeople talk about money is when they talk about price. I like to bring it up during the course of our conversation and ask how are you planning on paying for it? And before you answer, let me tell you all the ways that you can pay. Here are the options. You got it. And so I, I call that a hey. choice of yeses. Yeah, here are the yeses. Which yes would you like? Here we go. And, and Oh, but I go further than that, Mark. So I bait it in such a way, okay, with, with truth and facts, saying about 10% of our customers pay by check, check or cash. Most people don't pay for this stuff anymore, you know, right up front because it doesn't make sense because you don't earn all your money at once and you don't pay for your house and your utilities all at once. It doesn't make sense to to spend all the money on the largest consumer of those uh, utilities all at once. So some people like to take advantage of the credit card. About 15% of the people do, and that way you get your mileage or your points or your cash back. And then we got about another 25% of the people that want to take advantage of a a 0% option. That might be where you have the cash or think you'll have it over the next 12 to 36 months, but you don't want to put it all out at once and you can not have to pay any interest for that. And some, you know, about another 20, say about another 25% of the people do that. Or were you going to be like most of our customers and take advantage of the lowest payment possible? And, and you're really offering a buffet. There you go. Yeah. And it's Jerry Maguire, right? Help me help you. You got it. And, and I did it in that reverse order on purpose. I started with cash being the lowest percentage and worked my way up to the lowest payment possible, which is the highest percentage of people, because I leave you with that last lingering thought that this is what right. most people do. And the cool like thing about a, that, Mark, is... It's an upside-down pyramid, right? Really. Exactly. Cash, and as you move up the pyramid, the percentages get larger. There you go. And, and and I and I let you know that this is what most people do, right? So you're kind of following following the flock, if you will. And and then the neat thing about that is, is once I do reveal what the total investment is and the monthly investment, because that's how we always leave with the monthly investment. Even if you were going to pay cash, you're going to see this is probably less than your cell phone bill. I mean, I I spend about two hundred and fifty bucks a month on a cell phone bill, unlimited data for myself and my son. And I can put in a brand new, high efficiency heating and cooling system with smart home technology, indoor air quality technology, you know, layered in there. Fix my ductwork, and probably do some other things in my house for 250 bucks a month. And with my cell phone bill, I own absolutely nothing. In fact, you don't even own the phone anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I like to take that one step further and say, you know what, for the price of a cup of coffee and a donut at Starbucks, you can have a brand new high efficiency furnace in your home. And they go, yeah. oh, just break it down to the you know, lowest common denominator and go, oh, okay, yeah, well, that, that makes sense. I could, yeah, let's do it. There you go. And, and that's like I say, that's what we do when we, take, when we take them through this class and we teach the salespeople that we work with. That's, you're, you're, you're an extension of that, Mark, exactly. I know you talk about getting closing ratios up into that 75% range, and people, when they first hear that number, I know they say to you, come on, Mark, there's no way in heck that that's never happened. <laughs> But you well, just proved dude, otherwise. Dude, mine's 80%, so I'm only asking 75 so, you know. It's like, there you yeah. go. And, and, and it's <laughs> like, well, I know a guy who has a 95% close ratio, so, and he's a technician. So it's like, right. come on. I mean, the biggest challenge with what we do, Drew, is to get people to, to change their behavior and their beliefs. You know, you're capable of so much more. 
than you believe you can right now. So here's some ideas. Here's some information that's going to create a paradigm shift for you. You know, so much, I, I really believe this, so much of, of what we do, our industry suffers from a low self-esteem. You know, you, you can borrow money. You can't borrow self-esteem. And so our, our job is to infuse that, that sense of I can do this, that if I have a 25% close rate, I can get to 50, right? If I'm doing 50, I can get to 75. Right. But th- th- this whole notion of payment ops is you're spot on with that inverse uh, pyramid. That's just fantastic. So segueing from that into the next question, how do contractors create more opportunities with the clients they already have? That's something I think, again, I think you have to appeal to a higher level of, of aspiration, you know, with, you know, with your customers and get them to see that you can do more, you know, you can do more for them. And I think you have to go ahead and really kind of focus on, like I said a little bit ago, focus on what are you doing internally and creating right. an experience that's, you know, that's memorable and unforgettable. You know, more, more people, more contractors are always, you know, saying to, you know, probably to you, you hear this as well, Mark, is we need more leads, we need more calls, we need more opportunities. Maybe not. Maybe you need to do a better job with the opportunities that you have and, right. and creating, creating a better experience. And the problem is there is that we all sit down and we say, okay, well, what can we do? And that's the wrong conversation to be having. The conversation should be in the home with the customers. What can we do? What do you need us to do? And how should we do it? People talk about customer service. Customer service is what you do. Customers care is how you make me feel. And it's, right. not, it's never about the money that I spend. It's about how I feel about the money that I spend. We've all, we've all gone out and, and spent way too much money on something and not enough money on other things. But we did it for a very you know, specific reason. And, you know, sometimes we spent too little and then we come back and we kick ourselves because we're like, darn it, I should have spent more instead of kind of taking the cheaper route. And a lot of times I've spent more. I'm like, geez, I overspent. I'm a little irritated because it didn't do what I wanted it to do and it fell short of expectations. Or other times, it would be like, that was the most amazing meal on the planet. It was worth every dime. Right. You know? And so, you know, again, it's, it's a, if we focus on how customers feel about their, their interaction with us, and we really focus on touching them at some level emotionally so that they, when, they, when they walk away from that experience, they feel not only good about the experience, they feel so good about it that they, wanna, they want to and need to tell others. And right. we incentivize them to do that with our referral rewards program. I think that's how we can get more business out of them. And that's, and that's even beyond, that's even if you were to, excuse me, to stay with your existing book of services. You know, that's before layering on indoor air quality or any other products and services into your business. You can stick with your core business and just leverage that and let the customers know all the things that you can do for them and then let them know that you can also help the people that they know. Right. You know, it's interesting. Ken Blanchard said, a profit is the applause we get from the customer. I like that. Yeah, and he went on to say, they'll forget what you say, they'll forget what you do, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. And that's what I'm hearing you say loud and clear. we got to touch them emotionally. Yeah. Now And now more than ever. I mean, we're all, we're all looking for that in, in, in today's society. And, there was, you know, and that's even before you pick up a newspaper or turn on the television and listen to just how people talk and, and treat each other. And, and because we're constantly getting these these fixes of dopamine, uh, you know, from our phones every day, I got a text, I got an email, I got a like, you know, we have more means by which to communicate and less meaningful communication with people. And we need to get back to where a human being 
touches another human being. And I'm not trying to go out into the house and start touching your customers. Uh, you know, it, no, it, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, but we've got to. We've got to go out and we've got to make real connections with people. And the way you're going to do that is through communication. And so by opening up the dialogue, we can create a better experience. And we don't need to sell. The selling is the last thing you need to do. Your job, when the people called you, and I, I talk about this forever and a day, when people call your company, they don't call you for a fix. They don't call you for a price. They don't call you because they want the problem solved. They call you because they want good information so they can make a good decision. Now, that good decision may end up in you giving them a price or fixing the problem, but up until that point, all they really wanted and needed is for you to give them the information that they need to make an informed and intelligent decision. Right. And what I found is if I do that, they'll discover that I'm the right choice. I don't even have to ask for the business, uh, and they'll pick me, and they'll choose me nine ways to Sunday. I think that's true. I believe that. Uh, you know, what I heard you say in, in no uncertain terms in this Twitter, Facebook world we live in, we're talking more and saying less. And we've got to make okay. connections with people in a real way. So speaking of connections, so one of the challenges for contractors is you've got different socioeconomic levels. You've got lower lower class, uh, middle class, and upper class in terms of neighborhoods. How do, how do we go about deciding you know, which, which market we go after. Well, I think you have to decide, obviously, who you are and what you are and, and who you want to appeal to and what are your business objectives, you know, as a company. You can't be all things to all people because don't be surprised one day when you wake up and you're nothing to no one because you try and be all things. Right. And you can't, meaning, you know, I buy things at Walmart and I buy things at Nordstrom, you know, or Neiman Marcus. And, and I even did a webinar for EJA a couple of years ago, or are you a Neiman Marcus or, or Walmart contractor? And it's not to say that one is better than the other, but understand this. You can't go to Neiman Marcus and get Walmart prices, and then in many cases, even Walmart products. You can get jeans at Neiman Marcus, but you're not going to pay what you would for jeans at Walmart and vice versa. Right. You're also not going to get that same level of experience either. And you can't market to those people the same way. Now, so for me... You know, you're not going to get me buying my jeans in a circular or, you know, or something in the newspaper or direct, you know, direct mail piece. You know, that's just not how you're going to get me to kind of go buying jeans or shoes or something like that. And so to get to the mass affluent, in the, in the, which is kind of the upper middle class and the upper class, as far as income I'm, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about quality of people, but I'm talking about to get to that mass affluent, you can't go with sale, 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 save, save, save. That's not who they are. Some of them are very frugal, you know, with their money, yes, but, you know, going into Clipper Magazine and Valpac and, and things like that, you're just not going to appeal to that, that audience. You know, they're reading like, uh, you know, the Radnor Hunt Club Magazine or Mainline Today Magazine, and they're, you know, hanging out at the, at the country club or the city club, uh, you know, there, and they're involved with certain causes in the community and, and, and very deeply entrenched in, in like foundations and whatnot around town. And so you want to find yourself kind of getting out into the community. And so you want to activate your people, You're not just, you know, not just ownership, but you want to activate all your people to get out into the community, take on and get associated with certain you know, civic organizations and whatnot, where they give their time and they can bring the company resources in to support the giving of the time. You're not just throwing money at things, but you do want to get involved in some causes. You know, what can you do? I, I've got a client where they they have a dog as part of their logo, and so uh, they've gotten involved in the community with uh, a canine organization. Then they got involved with the, 
the military dogs. And they're in the process now of putting together a bronze statue on behalf of all the dogs that are part of the first responders and that have also served in the military to go into a, a military memorial that is being built you know, in their area. That's smart and because 75% of the population has dogs. So, and who doesn't go. love their dog? Right. And, and this company is known for its dog as part of its commercials and all of its marketing. And so it just also made sense. Right. But they also got out involved. They got out involved, uh, you know, with some kids recently, and they got involved with a, with a kids organization. And they showed up in force. They were they they had fun. So it was a bonding experience for the you know for the company. The uh, the community saw the you know the the coworkers out there having fun. Of course, some of their competitors' employees happened to see these people at this event because it was a big community event and saw that these people were having fun. Boy, that looks like a great place to work. And oh boy, look at they're involved in a in a neat little thing. And so it was a it was a recruiting you know event, if you will. It was a marketing event for customers, and it did good for the community. And so it, it's a win win win. And and that's the kind of things I think that you know as contractors we tend not to look at you know the things that we can and should be involved in. We we tend to really are looking at our own business, our own position, and our own interest. And we really need now more than ever is to look at how you how we serve others. And, and I have this philosophy, Mark, and I know you buy into it as well because I've read it in your books, is the things that you take will be the things that you tend to lose on a multiplier of about three to 10 times. But the things that you give will be the things that you get on a multiplier of about three to 10 times. Right. And so, so we need to get, you know, the things that we want more of is what we need to give more of. You want more money? Give more money. You want more time? Give more time. Right. Not to get all spiritual, but it's the St. Francis prayer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you you, you want, to, want to be understood? Seek to understand. The simple stuff. Well, before we get to the last question, Drew, uh, I think we have an announcement from Lucas. Yes. And now a word from our sponsor. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, Drew Andy, and he is, he is integrally involved. Just wanted to mention that Contractor Connect is, is now live for all EGIA members. It's an exclusive online forum for EGIA members that allows contractors to ask questions, share ideas with other contractors, uh, as well as EGIA, Contract Universities, panel of experts like Drew. It's a great way to get real-time advice, strategy, and networking with like-minded contractors who have boots in the ground right now. So visit contractorconnect.org to get started today. And like I said, access to that forum is available to all EGIA membership levels. Drew, you've, we've gotten some, uh, it's still early days, we've gotten some good questions, gotten some good conversation there, yeah? Yeah, we have. I, and it's like I said, you know, if you want, you know, want more of some things, then give more of some things. And and I like to, you know, I, I like to give a lot of help because then I get asked for more help. And that's what this is about. I, I love doing what I do for the industry because I get to help a lot of people avoid a lot of the headache and heartache that, you know, that I realized as a, as a company and, and saw my father go through before I really kind of took on a managerial role in the organization. And and, and so I love responding to the questions online, and, and now I'm doing it in a singular format and, and focus with EGIA's Contractor Connect, whereas I used to be involved in multiple forms. Now I'm just focused on giving all my time and resources to the EGIA channel. Yeah, and I would say I would say that you're more of a caring coach than you are a consultant. That's I'm going to I'm going to quote you on that one, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I, I like that I, because the consultant to me is yeah, it's, it's it's not a term that I like. But we've, we've used the word resultant, and it, you know, that requires some explanation. But caring coach, I do like that. I think people would get that. 
Well, you know, the old joke, uh, the consultant's a guy who bars your watch to tell you what time it is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I hadn't heard that one, but I, I also like that one. And I also do know that you're an expert everywhere except in your own backyard. So Yeah, 100 miles away with a briefcase, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, it was Jesus' fault. He started that. You know, he had to leave Nazareth <laughs> to impact the world. Because everybody around there was going, that's the carpenter's kid. I, I remember him. What? What's he saying? Yeah. Yeah. I know. He was a consultant. I didn't, yeah, he was a consultant. Yeah, he, he may be the best that we've ever yeah. had. So, what parting advice would you give contractors? If, if you could, oh. you know, one piece of advice, what, what would it be? One, I know that's a tough one question. Piece. Yeah, that's that, that is a tough one, and and I guess I, I guess what I I would do in my own business. You know, it's what I do in my business currently as a, a trainer and a consultant and coach. It's what I did in my my family business, and it's what I try and instill in all of our clients is have fun and make an impact in that order. You know, a lot of people want to make their impact, and, and then fun's kind of the afterthought. And if you're not having fun, in my mind, it's just not worth doing it. And People say, you know, if you, if you love what you do for a living, you never work a, a day in your life. And I, and I don't buy that, you know, because I'm from a I'm from a blue collar town, home of the you know Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. And the one thing Brian Dawkins, you know, uh, Hall of Fame line, safety, excuse me, who just went into the Hall of Fame this this, this past year, he said that uh, a couple of years ago. He goes, I'm not buying that because if you love what you do, you'll work all day, twice as hard, twice as long as anybody else, and they'll have to turn the lights out on you because you enjoy it so much it's, it's well not what, he's, it's not what he's saying is it doesn't feel like work right right it feels like play so you do play 12 hours a day there's no big deal there you go and, and that's and that that's impact comes yeah yeah and that impact comes so when you, i think if you put the fun in front of the impact you're, you're more likely to get the impact you're more likely to get a, a, a bigger impact you know more quick, quickly so have fun make an impact well, I love that quote from Zig Ziglar. He said, it really is true. <laughs> you can have everything you want. I need everything you want if you just help enough other people get what they want first. I know it sounds a little like Bill Clinton, but, you know, it's, they came from the same, <laughs> same area. So, uh, yeah. well, Drew, thank you so much, man, for carving out this amount of time. I know you're a busy guy, and, uh, and I guess I have one last question. Is Philly going to repeat? You know, what are the chances of them getting back to the Super Bowl? Uh, we don't talk about that stuff. That's what was my motto last year. Everybody kept asking me all last season. I said, we're not talking about it. We're just not talking about it. And then uh, I went to the Super Bowl, and we won it. And I, it was one of the one of the best times of my life. And uh, but we're not talking about it. You know, we're going to go a week at a time. And, uh, yeah, that's best. Got to stay healthy, right? Well, and the Seahawks, you know, they repeated the Super Bowl and then lost with that pass in the end zone. So, you know, it's uh, you got it's it's tough it's tough to repeat. So we'll see what happens. But um, thank you so much for making the time, Drew. You're uh, no, thank you. It's a, a pleasure. In, you're making a difference in this industry, brother. We appreciate it all you do. Likewise, Lucas. Any last thoughts? I think we're good to go. Well, uh, that'll do it for today's episode. As always, visit EGA.org/podcast find this episode and an archive of previous episodes the online form to submit your questions for our mailbag segment links to subscribe to podcast on apple and google play and a link to the latest egi snapshot survey for more information about egi membership which you absolutely need to consider joining visit www.egi.org join i'm mark madison thanks for letting me play in your sandbox we'll see you next time